One of the most enjoyable aspects of marriage is the romantic part, and it might be a perfect sunset on a beach or a candlelit dinner uh, or a simple walk around the block hand in hand. It's just good to be intentional about that physical proximity and helping your spouse feel loved. Welcome to Season 6 of the Loving Well Podcast. I'm John Fuller, along with my friends Greg and Aaron Smalley. They lead the marriage team here at Focus. And I wonder, Aaron, let's start with you and the woman's perspective here. Something that you find especially romantic would be? The beach. Ah, I yeah. think the beach any time <laughs> of day. I thought she was going to say me. You can well, just show no. up and no, on no, a beach, no. it's beach romantic. with Greg <laughs> <Yeah>. oh, <laughs> is romantic. <laughs> All right. Like walks, because we've had yeah. a lot of really good talks walking on the beach both, you know, in the middle of the day, in the morning, or even at sunset. My and, Speedo. I mean, it's all yeah, getting yeah. how it's romantic. <laughs> but it is. It just, I love the, the sounds, the smells, the sand, the crashing waves. I mean, it's just one of those places that is really, really it's, sweet. It's conducive to romance, yes. isn't it? Yes. Yeah. I think when I was a younger married man, I just, I really worked to make everything kind of line up for romance. And I have found that that just usually doesn't... Uh, you're shaking your head like you know this personally, <laughs> Greg. It just doesn't always... In fact, it rarely works. Right, because so often we're wrong in the way that we do it, or it just doesn't have that effect yeah. that I probably worked up in my mind. For me, when I was thinking about this question, what's interesting is the first thing that came to my mind was not the beach. It was actually doing marriage seminars together. I almost said that. Uh, oh, she I didn't. almost okay. said it. All right. John well, Fuller, did I was she say, say that? She has actually stage. said that before mm. in some other context. Yes, I remember. on a stage next yes. to my husband. Yeah. Because there's, for me, you know, we're, I mean, we're dressed up. We're, we're up, up on stage. We're, we're ministering. We're just kind of living out what we believe God has called us to do with our marriage and there's just something amazing. There there are plenty of times that I'll just be standing there listening, watching Aaron as she's, you know, making whatever point she's making. And I just will think, this is so cool. Yeah. Here we are, you know, at this place we traveled to. And I know we're going to have a fun dinner when we're done. I just, it, it is. It's probably the most romantic setting that we get to enjoy one nice. another. Well, let's turn to uh, a couple who, like you, are uh, professional counselors. They have a marriage ministry. It's called Marriage on Deck. They've written a book together. It's called The Fundamentals of Marriage, and we're going to link over to that uh, in the show notes. I'm speaking of Howard and Danielle Taylor, and here they are sharing about the power of a good friendship in marriage. I think Jean is my best friend. I can Yay. say that. And, right. you know, I like that. Yes. And, you know, I miss her when she's on a trip. I miss her when I'm on a trip. And that's probably a good indication. Yes. But, uh, but speak to that idea of friendship. It's what you have when you're dating. It's what's compelling you toward marriage. Yeah. And then it kind of gets you through the early years of marriage. Mm-hmm. And then for some couples, it evaporates. Right. You know, because we get down to the business of marriage, right. meaning paying the bills, raising the kids, getting mm-hmm. things done. Did you call the plumber? No, yes. I forgot. How could you forget to call the plumber? <laughs> Absolutely. And it's like the business of marriage. Yes. And you start not liking each other anymore. Right. And speak to that idea of how to keep a friendship in your marriage, in your relationship. I feel like Howard and I started off as friends as well. But over these years, we've always maintained that our friendship is first. 
So even though we're married, we are friends first. When things got, we've had a lot of ups and downs with our child passing away. We've had a failed business. We've had just certain, you know, things that trials that we've had to overcome and things that we've had to deal with each other and our character getting to know each other as we come together. And we think to ourselves, if we work together as friends, Mm. friends first, Right. Because sometimes in marriage, we put these labels on each other and then we have these unrealistic expectations of perfection because you're my husband. You're supposed to make me happy and be perfect (laughs) for me or my wife. But when things get tough, it's like at the end of the day, we're always friends. And when you're friends with someone, you want the best for them sincerely. Right. You want to help them wherever they're at. How do you how do you correct that course, though, practically speaking? I mean, if so, if you feel that going off the rails for some reason on a given day, how do Mm -hmm. you get together and say, okay, time out. Mm -hmm. I feel like we're not being best friends right now. Yeah, it was for a day and I. It was a safety net. So Mm -hmm. a lot of things that we go through in marriage are not just immediate and abrupt. It may be a season where you're trying to heal Mm -hmm. some distrust. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, friendship became the safety net to that. Um, And it gave intention in a way that the spousal relationship, if you were let down by your husband or wife, didn't. Mm -hmm. So even though here, I'm not particularly pleased that you did that as my husband or wife, but as my best friend, my bestie, I'm going to fight for you. We have a chapter in our book where it's called Fighting For and Not Against. And a lot of times, if you see your best friend in a fight or a scrapper, you don't not defend them because you thought it was your fault. You come in swinging and ask questions later to be candid, (laughs) right? And what I found in our marriage is sometimes I had to protect Danielle even against me sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. These uh, preconceived notions that I had of marriage and perfection, this romanticized notions, as her husband, I realized became a little suffocating at mm-hmm. times to conversations and, and took the fun out. Mm-hmm. And so I had to start looking at her definitively as, as my friend, though. I want you to win. Yeah. Can I just say that practically we always like to have fun. We're like, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? Like, what vacations? Let's do a vision board. Let's have date nights. Let's try something new and fun so we can get out of the... Um, Minutia. The, yeah, you can get out the of monotony. like the routine and the monotony of marriage and have fun and let your hair down. Yeah, like, sure. You know, I, I see it in you. I mean, both of you, I think I especially see it in you, Daniel. Let's go to the whiteboard. We're going to map out our year of fun, <laughs> yes. which is awesome. You better believe it. I'm thinking of couples, though, that they've even, maybe they never <clears throat> even possessed that. You know, because of their childhood or whatever, Mm -hmm. but they haven't really seen life as let's hit the mountaintops. How do we do that? Let's plan to hit the mountaintops. And it's okay for Christians too. Christians can have fun and be joyful. I mean, that's part of it. But speak to that person that maybe can't even relate right now. She's saying, wow, Mm. I lost my fun like the second week of our marriage. Wow. The first thing is to pray about that. That's the very first thing is to pray. Secondly... Mm -hmm. Go talk to your husband or your wife and explain to them what you love about them, what you like about them, how you notice their interest and their passions. Do something that they will appreciate. Howard would surprise me with all kinds of things, of things that I was interested at the time that he was not necessarily interested in at all. In fact, with basketball, because Howard played, right. you, you could care less, but you decided, I got to right. check it out. So right. what happened there? Right. I did not like basketball games. <laughs> I hated going. I felt like I don't understand the plays and the game. It just wasn't my thing. Mm-hmm. Then I started saying, 
listen, this is important to him. This is his fun. This is fun for him. I want to be with him. So if I can be with him and he's having fun, yeah. I'm having fun just by being with him. Even if that means I'm coming to the basketball game with a stack of magazines because I'm not watching the game. We're <laughs> sitting next to each other. coupons at the basketball <laughs> That's where game. it started. That's, that's a true that's story. That's where it started. It started with I will be there, but I'm going to be looking through my magazines and, <laughs> that is and awesome, before though. you know it, the game's over. What but did that, that say to you, Howard? I was happy she was there. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay, good. Right? Okay, sorry, Danielle. Happy no she problem. was there. I just wanted to get that connection because it doesn't need have to, to be a lot. That. It doesn't. No, it doesn't You're just have to present. be a lot. You're yes. just present. It doesn't have to be extravagant or expensive. Just show that you want to be with that person. Yes. Let them know that you're genuinely interested in hanging out with them. So the magazine watching came to, okay, well, now I'm spotting the celebrities in the stand <laughs> and <laughs> who's dating who. Then I started <laughs> thinking, okay, I want to be able to communicate with him. If I'm his best friend, I want to talk to him about what's going on in the NBA world. You know, he talks yeah. to me about everything I'm doing. So let me find out. I would start Googling. His favorite team is the Lakers. God bless so I was Google. Of course you're LA. Yeah. Things that are going on and the trades and the player and the deals. The and I'd be like, can you believe that person got traded? Where's he going to go? You know? And he started telling me, I'm proud of you for oh knowing my. what's going on. I would text <laughs> him. Yeah, I would text me. So I didn't even hear that yet. And so that made That's me incredible. want to continue to stay on top of it so that I can show him, hey, I'm interested in what you're interested in. That's so yeah. funny. I'm laughing inside because Gene, you know, with football, yeah. You know, she began to take an interest. And I mm-hmm. so appreciated that. But she said, yeah. if you could tell me more about the players, like who, who they're married to, do they have kids? Yeah. I'm going, are you serious? I don't know. <laughs> right. And uh, she's going, no, if we could do that, I'd be yes. far more interested in right. the game. Yeah. You know, so it was hilarious. I, was, I started to figure out, okay, how many kids does, <laughs> yes. you know, yes. does somebody have? Peyton yes. Manning, what's, yes. what's going on when he was at the Broncos and all that? So it's really funny. But you're saying basically connect in, mm-hmm. a, in a place that your spouse enjoys being right and don't don't needle them for being there right participate right be present be present i so appreciate howard and danielle taylor and their perspective on investing in your friendship as a couple and greg as you listened i'm sure there's somebody who comes to mind kind of a prototype of the person thinking i don't have the time i used to for my spouse i can't jam it into the schedule there's just no way to be romantic Uh, What's your encouragement to that person? I remember reading an article about a couple who had been married over 50 years and just kind of their wisdom. I loved it. And they were really talking about what's helped them build that friendship, even in the midst of all their busyness. So I'm sure they could have used the, I just don't have time. But they were saying that they had prioritized to where they had a babysitter kind of on retainer, one of those situations to where once a week they would go out and Aaron and I have, have really tried to do that. We we don't do like a weekly date night, mm-hmm. but what we've done is that there's a, a local theater company, and I think there's about three to four shows each each year. And so we always, we invest in that. Mm-hmm. So we, we believe we should spend money on our marriage. And so we'll get all dressed up and we get to go to the theater. And it's just a fun, um, romantic kind of evening that builds our friendship. I think the other thing that this couple talked about, Leslie and Alan, who'd been married over 50 years, is that they they grow together, meaning that they prioritize making sure that as individuals, they were growing, learning, you know, as a Christian, becoming more like Christ. Mm -hmm. But then they also talked about just making sure that we're growing as a couple. And so they just, they spent a lot of time talking, making sure they were on the same page, 
and just making sure they were they were connected versus waking up one day going, I am married to a stranger. Yeah. So they really battled against that. And Aaron, uh, the Taylors also brought up how Danielle would go to basketball games because uh, that was something Howard enjoyed. She kind of met him where he's at. And so uh, for keeping things like romance and friendship alive, how do we stay curious about our spouse's interests, even if, frankly, it doesn't do much for me? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really, it boils down to a choice that we can be intentional and be committed to being curious. And sometimes I'll catch myself, you know, like I haven't been really great at checking in with Greg and, you know, asking deeper level questions because it's easy to go, you know, hey, how was your day? And what would you do? And, you know, this and that. But really, there's an opportunity to really get more specific. Like, what was the hardest thing about your day and why? And really taking the time to listen and to be present and and not distracted, which is hard for me because I do get distracted at times. So can I ask just a question? Because if I show... Sometimes if I show curiosity to Dina, she feels like I'm interrogating her. She's like, well, why do you care? So is that something that's, I've got to reframe. I mean, it seems kind of self-evident even (laughs) as I ask the question. (laughs) Uh, I have to show my interest in some other way, perhaps. But I I would say that if you look at it through the lens of it's a bid for connection, like we have an opportunity to connect and my spouse is trying to connect with me. It puts it in a more positive lens because there's times that people go, ah, you know, that's annoying. Stop. And really, if you change that to, oh, they're doing that because they want to connect with me, it gives it a different purpose and a different meaning. So I should incorporate that kind of language into my questions. Like, I really want to connect with you, hon. So why do you brew kombucha? Like you do. <laughs> That's well, now, an interesting question. Now I'm yeah. thirsty. Yes. Now I want some kombucha. Yeah. I I love the the definition of romance is to court the favor of your spouse. In other words, mm. to woo. It's kind of in the Old Testament. God was talking about winning back His bride, the children of Israel, and He talked about that He was going to allure her. It's all the same thing. We're we're trying to do something to get our spouse's attention. So. I, when John, when you were talking, it made me think about that, that part of what I have to do then for Aaron is ask in the midst of all the busyness, in the midst of all the, the white noise, all the, the things that are competing for Aaron's attention, what is it that I can do that actually in the midst of all that causes you to turn towards me? So I think part of it is maybe, you know, maybe for Dina, maybe it's not asking questions. Maybe for her, it's it's something else. And I think the, the beauty of it is being able to say, okay, Aaron, what would help you to turn towards me? What could I do to allure you or yeah. to to woo you? And then based on what you say, then that gives me something very specific to, to aim at. Yeah. So so although, you know, asking each other questions is a great thing, that might not work for her. And there may be something else completely yeah. different. Well, I have an answer. Oh, are you not asking me the question? It was more rhetorical, but I would love to know what that is. When you watch Hallmark Christmas movies with me. Oh, my. What a service. (laughs) What an act of service that is. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, let's turn the corner and talk about physical intimacy and how Hallmark movies could play a role. Dr. Julie Slattery is a good friend of the ministry, and she spoke with Jim Daly about why intimacy is part of God's design for marriage. 
Let me also ask you, uh, you describe God's design for sexual intimacy as covenant love. Mm-hmm. And we really need to better understand what you mean. Yeah. And that's where that parallel with it God's is. love for us and what we experience in this life physically really begins to line up spiritually. Mm-hmm. So what is covenant love in the context of sexual intimacy? Boy, that word covenant is something that we don't use often in our world today. The only time I've ever heard covenant talked about outside of church was like your HOA covenants. Like, what is that That's not a happy place for me. No, it's not. I don't want my my marriage to be like that. (laughs) So when we use this word covenant, I think sometimes people are confused because it's not a common word in our language. The only way to really understand a covenant is to contrast it to what we typically have, which is a contract. We know how to do contract in our world. And most of us get married with a contract mentality. Even if we don't realize it, we think as long as this marriage is fulfilling to me, then I'm all in. As long as my spouse is meeting my needs, as long as he makes me look good, as long as our sexual relationship is fulfilling. Sounds like a scorecard. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a deal. It's a bargain. Mm -hmm. And again, I don't think any of us go to the altar thinking that we're bargaining but even our dating system is about trying to pick somebody who, in, you know, in the economy of romance, that, man, you, you really won there. You got a big, good deal there. Like, we get married because this person is supposed to make me better and happier. And then when we hit a roadblock, it's like that covenant gets challenged because are we going to think contract or covenant? Are mm-hmm. we? Covenant is loving with your character. It's loving because you promised to. And that's the beautiful thing about how God loves us. If God had a contract with me, I'd be in big trouble. If I have a contract with him, God, I only love you as long as my bank account's full and I stay healthy, then we don't have a long-term relationship. And this is what's so significant about marriage is it's the one relationship that God created to stretch towards that kind of love that is based on faithfulness and character and promise and it's why marriage is so difficult and also why it's so important to fight for yeah no i agree um i want to make sure we cover uh, your comment about deuteronomy 6 5 which is the first and greatest commandment if you've been in the church any length of time you know this of course which is to love god with all our heart our soul and might how does that commandment relate to our sexuality in marriage Well, the way it relates is that commandment is telling us to be undivided people, to not have one area of my life that isn't surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And I've found in my own journey, as well as in ministry, that sexuality is often an area that isn't surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And I don't just mean following the rules. I mean having territory of your heart that has never been surrendered. I mean, wounds that you hold on to instead of bringing to the healing power of Jesus, conversations that need to be had that are closeted, conflicts that we need to work through, confessing our sin to one another. And because we don't talk about sex in church, we haven't learned how to integrate God and his power and his truth and his love into our sexuality so we just kind of do it on our own like when i speak to married couples on this issue i'll often ask raise your hand how many of you regularly pray together about your sex life 
And typically it's about 10% of married couples. Mm. Now these are Christians. They're coming to a marriage conference. So you're getting a pretty selected sample. And even so, 90% of them never think to pray about their sex life Mm. because we don't integrate God into it. And so this commandment in Deuteronomy, which is really what Jesus said is the greatest commandment, is I want to be part of every nook and cranny of your life, every hidden secret, every wound, every struggle. And when we start living that out in married sexuality, it's a game changer. Aaron, uh, what Julie discussed is very important, and you counsel a lot of couples. So how often do you find that if a spouse is willing to prioritize sex, it can really make a difference. All the time. Hmm. And what I'll say is I love how our dear friend, Dr. Julie Slattery, talks about sexual intimacy and just her deep, deep biblical views Mm -hmm. of how God created the sexual relationship within marriage to be such a celebration of the marriage and the unity between the couple. And so, especially when couples come in and... I mean, most couples come in with some sort of challenge in their sexual relationship. When they're coming in, either they're disconnected, they're not having sex, or there's something dissatisfying going on. And when they come in and they are willing to just really talk about it in the safe environment of a counselor's office, they they make progress, and it brings deeper connection. Mm. You know, or even if they're willing to talk about it, and they're able to talk about it and have a safe conversation just one-on-one, that can really have an impact on the relationship. And Aaron, I love that because the, in the Old Testament, the, the Hebrew word for sex is yada. So when you, you look up the definition, it means to find out. Hmm. So, so think about that. So a part of our uh, living out, walking out, our sexual relationship is to find out. So part of finding out is preferences, you know, what, what you like, don't like, what we like, don't like, th- those kinds of things. But I think it goes beyond that to find out more about you, to find out more about each other. Mm-hmm. There, there's a, a discovery process. And I think when, when we're in that mode of prioritizing, discovering, you know, not, not only sexually, but, but who we are deep inside, that's what connects us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of why sex is such an important part of our marriage. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and uh, keep hearing more about the topic uh, as Jim Daly and I uh, continued the conversation with Dr. Slattery. So faithfulness, Mm -hmm. uh, you're saying, is kind of the core core. Describe how that fits into the intimacy of marriage, why faithfulness is so critical. Faithfulness is the foundation of everything else. So if you don't have faithfulness in your marriage, you can't have intimate knowing. Sacrificial giving is going to be skewed. And passionate celebration is going to be short-lived. Yeah. So faithfulness is the parameter. Like, that's key. One thing I've realized is that your character is the most important thing about your sex life. Uh. If you don't have character, you can't build a long-term satisfying sex life. So that's, Mm, you know, I feel like sometimes we want to just say, oh, faithfulness is for some couples that struggle with this. No, every married person needs to grow in faithfulness. And it's not just about, I won't cheat on my spouse. Faithfulness means 
I'm going to be a safe person for you. You can trust me. Mm-hmm. My character is reliable and trustworthy, and it plays out in a lot of different ways. Yeah, that is so good. In fact, uh, in the book, you talked about you and Mike struggling in the early part of your marriage, and Mike said something to you, I think on your honeymoon, yes, when he did. you were struggling right from the get-go. Um, what did he say, and why did that mean so much to you? So we started off our honeymoon, and were unable to consummate our marriage because of physical pain on my part. And so we went a few days like this, mm-hmm. and we were both so disappointed. And at that point, I think starting to sort of turn against each other, like, this is your fault, no, this is your fault. Like, you know how that happens mm-hmm. when you're hurt and disappointed. And we were staying in this kind of one-bedroom log cabin, so we couldn't really get away from each other. We each went to our corners of the cabin, And then I noticed that Mike was reading his Bible, which was a good sign. I'm glad he's reading his Bible. I don't think I was reading mine. But he came over to me after a little while, and he just said, you know, Julie, I know this is disappointing. I'm disappointed too, but I just want you to know I'm not going anywhere. Uh, We have our whole lives to figure this out. And that was so significant to me because he was putting a huge brick in the foundation of faithfulness in our marriage. He was making me feel safe and that he wasn't angry with me. He wasn't blaming me, that he was looking towards the future. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about faithfulness, the issues of pornography and infidelity are huge. But I think we also can't neglect that faithfulness is about the person I am. And am I becoming a safe and trustworthy person? Yeah. Intimate knowing is the second pillar. Uh, You describe in the book the Old Testament Hebrew word, yada. Mm -hmm. Describe what yada is and why that caught your attention. So yada is the Hebrew word that is often used to describe sexual intimacy between a husband and wife. Um, So even in Genesis, it says, Adam, yada, Eve. And it means to intimately know. And so it's sort of an allusion to they knew each other sexually. But that word yada in the Hebrew Old Testament is used over 940 times. Wow. But most often it's used to describe the intimate knowing that God has with his people. So in Psalm 139, when David says, uh, you know, you know me, you know, the word is on my tongue before I speak it. He's using that word yada over and over again. How how wonderful are your works? I yada that full well. Really the deepest intimacy. Right. Or when yeah. Moses is saying, I want to see your glory, he uses that word yada. God, I want to know your glory like a husband knows a wife. Huh. And so if you were reading the Old Testament in Hebrew, which I don't know much Hebrew, but I know this word, you would be reminded continually that the deepest intimacy of a husband and wife is a reflection of the deep intimacy God wants to have with his covenant people. Hmm. I mean, that even to know that it was used so many times, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what, again, we don't want to recognize these parallels for some yeah. reason that God is saying, I want to know you like you know your spouse. Right. Physically. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> it's like, wow, okay, that's where you bring that all into the sacred. I'm so appreciative of Dr. Slattery's approach to this topic. It can be really hard to discuss. She brings so much scripture and wisdom, uh, though. And and Greg and Aaron, we've been talking about romance, uh, friendship, sexuality. How can couples remember to 
uh, make sure that God is part of all of those dimensions of the marriage relationship. I think for Aaron and I, probably the biggest thing that we've learned about how God impacts our relationship is when we pray together and then when we go to church together. The other day, I think it was several weekends ago, um, we went out with a, a couple. It was a new couple for me. Aaron kind of knew this person, maybe from Bible study. But it was it was so fun as we just sat at this restaurant and, you know, share, tell us your love story and just you know, all the questions you end up asking and to discover how much this guy and I are alike. Hmm. It, it was scary. Like <laughs> He just felt like a, a, a true brother, like we were cut from the same cloth. But there was something powerful about just sitting there with a couple that we were getting along with. We were discovering them, getting to know them better and finding out, you know, about uh, where they go to church and 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 just their relationship with God, them asking us about ours, and just that sort of conversation. I think that's church is not just about going there to worship together. Certainly, that's a huge part of it. But I think another benefit is that we get to be around people who are like-minded, mm-hmm. who who value marriage. And so when we're out with this couple. As they were like-minded, they'd been married the uh, same number of years that we'd been married. There was something that Aaron took took us to such a deep level of intimacy. Like we, you know, I mean, we were, we were all talking together, and I felt so connected to you. Hmm. I felt just there was an intimacy there because I believe that's what God created hmm. and prioritized that, that sort of community for us. It's because I set Greg up on another play date. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. He just didn't know it was yeah. a play date for him because I set it up as a couple. So you yeah. weren't aware of what I was really but up to. But it just to. stood out to me that, <laughs> that I, I, I felt well, more mm-hmm. connected to you even though we were in a group setting with this other couple. Where two or three are gathered, yes. there I am. Yes. So there, there is power in that, yeah. that level of community. And I just think when our faith is involved in friendship, in our work, and especially our marriages, it just brings such a deep, deep connection. There's something so bonding about that. Yeah. And the research shows it and backs that up as well. And so absolutely, you know, it shows that if we're praying together, attending a church body together, you know, when we attend a small group together, all those things are breeding that deeper spiritual connection between mm. us. Yeah. And I think that takes you to the deepest depths of knowing each other. Yeah, we had our small group meeting last night in just talking about marriage in conflict in particular. I felt so connected to God just sitting there hearing these, this, what, four or five other couples talk about their conflict. <laughs> and, and there was just, there was a beauty of it for me just going, man, we're all normal, but man, without God, without the way that he's intervened in, in every couple's life, like it was so fun to kind of go around the room and just hear about how God has shown up in their marriage, how, what God's taught them about conflict and, and just managing that better. There's, there's a way that that so just draws me close to the Lord. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you for listening along today. Uh, this ministry, Focus on the Family, is uh, only possible because friends like you financially support us and pray for us. And uh, today, if you're able to make a donation of any amount, either a monthly pledge or a one-time gift, we'll send a copy of the great book that Greg and Aaron have written called Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. 
it really is a wonderful resource uh, for you to read together as a couple, and uh, you might share it with somebody else as well. There are uh, practical uh, applications along the way for you, no matter where you're at in your season of marriage. In the show notes, we'll have links uh, for you to donate and to get a copy of the book. We have other resources, like the book by Howard and Danielle Taylor, which we mentioned earlier, and Dr. Julie Slattery's book called God, Sex, and Your Marriage, which certainly goes into more detail about uh, what she shared about. And the show notes are the starting place to find out about all of these and much, much more. Well, next time you'll hear about the changing seasons that marriages go through. And uh, for now, on behalf of Greg and Aaron Smalley and the entire team, I'm John Fuller, and thanks for listening to the Loving Well Podcast. Podcast.